I heard it goes pretty well with vodka and Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. Is Adam Lallana on his way to Barcelona? Is Lionel Messi doing one to Manchester City? Has Elvis been spotted at Gracelands on the day of his 82nd birthday? Yep, we're knee-deep in silly season and for the next few weeks, things are going to get a bit rocky. So hold on tight. We're not exactly sure what's going to happen, but if it's anything like that Elvis story, then we're in for a hell of a ride. Here to talk about all of that and more is Paddy Higgs. Hello. Nico Durbin. That's me. And Andre Gonzalez. Hi. All three, of course, respected and respectable members of the One Football Newsroom team. They're also the type of people who would go to iTunes, rate the podcast, and leave a comment to let us know how we are doing. Smooth. Be like them, <laughs> is my advice. Did anybody want to know about this Elvis story? Should we yeah, skip on ahead? Yes, I'm sort of, yes, yes. I found it the other day and I was sort of interested to tell you all about it. Do it. Yeah. Okay. So basically, there was some lad with a white beard pictured with some security guards at Gracelands and a certain newspaper suggested that this, this was Elvis and they went to a face, uh, Facebook fan page of it where they found the following comments. I thought he's hiding in plain sight again. The people next to him probably have no idea. <laughs> Another one, must be our Elvis, our Elvis. The bodyguards are so obvious. Wish I was there so much I would have noticed him. Was there another one saying, haven't seen him last since he popped up on my toast? Or other kooky <laughs> theories about where they see him these days? That, that was as far as my research went. Yeah. Did you call it Gracelands or Graceland? Gracelands. I think there's only one of them. Is there only one? Yeah. yeah. You know, I've actually been there. And you still don't know the name And properly. I still don't <laughs> know the name. I was, I was in Memphis and I decided to... to Memphis take- is? <laughs> and I decided to uh, I decided to take a trip out there nice. and it's it's something else loads of shag carpet on the roof and mirrors everywhere it's it really is it's a special place but let's well let's move on from those uh, I have a thought provoking question for all of you to to get the podcast going what's the most ridiculous transfer rumour you have heard this month I got like this to, one. You want to kick this off? I got this one. Yeah. Um, Thomas Muller to Chelsea, I think, was one that the Sun Ooh. came out with. Yeah. Um, I sort of, there may have been a little bit of interest when Muller was linked to Manchester United some time ago, but it was all on one side. I don't see this one being realistic on either side, to be honest. That sounds ludicrous to me. Yeah. There's no way Thomas Muller is ever leaving Bavaria. Not for Chelsea. No. Not for Chelsea. <laughs> Anybody else find something ridiculous they'd like to share? No. Lucky Adam, I had one. Yeah, lucky you had <laughs> one, right? Yeah. Adam Lallana to Barcelona is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Where did you read that? That was in a very respectable English newspaper. Which one? I wouldn't like to name it. Okay. At least <laughs> name and shame. Now, Nico, it's good that we have you here because you are back and the Bundesliga is, is back. Where should we start with this one? We're, we're talking a bit about transfers, so maybe there. The most recent are the Hoffenheim duo of Nicolas Sule and Sebastian Rudi. Did I pronounce those right? Sule and Rudy. Sule and Rudy, yeah. yeah. Who will both be moving to Bayern in the summer. Yeah. This has got to be frustrating for everybody, bar fans of Bayern Munich. Ooh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, we have seen similar transfers recently, obviously. Bayern Munich buying talents um, of competitors in the Bundesliga. But Rudy is kind of... It is reminding me of Sebastian Rode. Mm-hmm. Um, they, he came for free as well. Stayed there for one year, I think. 
and then went to Dortmund. And Rudy can play a similar role. He can basically play all the positions besides central defender, maybe. Um, and it's just a really good backup. He doesn't complain if he doesn't play, um, but he has the right attitude. He's also in the um, squad of, of Joachim Löw in the national team. Um, he knows all the players. He knows Boateng. He knows Hummels. It makes a lot of sense. And then Niklas Süle, probably the most talented German central defender um, behind Boateng and Hummels, who are um, going to be 30 soon. Boateng already injured quite often. So it makes a lot of sense for both. And they will both get their time to play, I think. Isn't it frustrating, though, that they just hoover up that talent like that? I started thinking about Manuel Neuer as they did something similar with him. Uh, it is frustrating, of course. Um, I would have liked to see Sule in Dortmund, for example. Um, or Rudy, he was basically almost part of the Hoffenheim DNA for me. He stayed there for so many years now. He was um, um, core for the team. So I, I would have liked to see him um, expanding his contract maybe for Hoffenheim, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that being said, it, it, it's not going to be any different, say, if these two had gone to to uh, to Dortmund. I mean, it's basically the same. They're still cannibalizing a little bit the rest of the Bundesliga in order to stay up with Bayern. So um, this whole, you know, Bayern killing the league by buying the best players around it, so they should, I think, you know, um, they, they want to win the league. And, and I think, uh, you know, Dortmund, I'm not sure how much interest they showed in Zula. It could have been a good fit for him as well. But they, they would buy that buy that player, that sort of player, to, to weaken their opponents as well. And to be fair, Hoffenheim has good stakes, you know, like they, they have something to offer. They have a really um, promising coach. They have a great environment. And those two um, are stars, basically, of the Hoffenheim squad. Um, at the same time, I didn't really hear the the officials from Hoffenheim complaining in public. So they seem to be um, at least approving it to some extent and they're not complaining publicly too much. My question for either of you two Bundesliga experts is how is this going to affect Hoffenheim's season so far? They're obviously undefeated. Um, they've, done, they've been doing brilliant under, under Nagels, man. Do you think this has the potential to completely derail that now? Or will, do you think these two will just galvanize the team now until the rest of the season? Um, the only impact that I can imagine is that Zule and Rudy know for sure that they'll be playing Champions League next year. Um, whereas when it comes to maybe match day 32, 33, 34... And they're head to head with other teams. Mm -hmm. um, there might be that one, two percent missing at the end that make a difference, but that's just we don't know until we see it, basically. Right. Yeah, okay. I mean, I tend to agree with Nico. Both these players have actually made their names at Hoffenheim, and I think have a lot of respect for the club as well. Um, so I would, I would assume that would continue for as long as they they remain there as well. Yeah. One move that is on and off like a tart snickers when the Navy is in town is that Aubameyang move to Real Madrid. Here's the latest quotes. For now, I want to stay in Dortmund. I think we'll stop talking about Madrid. This is not the time to talk about it, especially since I feel very good in Dortmund. The challenge is even more beautiful. Of course, we are not one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, of course, we are one of the top clubs, but not really like Barca, Madrid and Bayern. I re it would be nice to win titles with this team, with Dortmund. I hope to do so. 
So, Paddy, if you were of a, a Dortmund persuasion, would that set your mind at ease? He says about 35 different things in, in that one <laughs> sentence. The, the one thing I took out of it said, we should stop talking about Real Madrid. I guess he means his mum as well, who's uh, weighed in on it a few times. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone's talking about that. I, I think, you know, Dortmund have probably resigned to the fact that Aubameyang is not going to be there for the next five years. Um, whether that's a topic for this summer or next remains to be seen. I, I actually don't have any concerns. Again, a bit like the, the two guys we were just talking about, that while Aubameyang's at, at Dortmund, he's going to be fine. Um, and he loves playing with Royce. Um, I think Royce's return in particular has probably made him feel a bit more content and feel, you know, maybe a little less restless. Um, so I'd probably predict he, he might stay another a year or so. What has been worrying me is how Dortmund are going to cope without Aubameyang, who's obviously offered the Africa Cup of Nations. How do you think Toka will approach the, the upcoming games? Because there's a 16-goal hole to fill, basically. Do you think it's going to be Adrian Ramos, Marco Royce? Most, most, it's potential to maybe even put Dembele in as a sort of false nine as well. I think he will probably go with a bit of a false nine. Ramos was actually linked to China pretty heavily, and I think if Almiang had remained at the club, he probably wouldn't. Ramos wouldn't be there anymore. Um, that being said, they've picked up a few injuries um, over this winter break, particularly in the last couple of weeks. So um, Royce being one of them. So oh. that will Dembele as well. So that will that can really affect um, these first couple of weeks. Um, that being said, I think Götze and Schuller are players that need to stand up and this is a good yeah. opportunity for them. Well, Schurler's another one who could fit in there. Yeah, so that's correct. That's true, yeah. Yep. He, he started as a nine yeah. back in his days uh, at Mainz. Um, so I think, especially in in a squad with Dembele potentially and Royce, where they can rotate a lot, mm -hmm. um, um, Schurler can be the one starting in central. But again, like if he goes to the left and Royce goes to the middle, they, they'll just be rotating. Mm -hmm. um, it will be less stiff without mm -hmm. Aubameyang. Yeah. Whereas if Aubameyang or Ramos play, it's a clear uh, a role with right. two wingers and, and one in the middle. To, to be honest, my favorite Schuller is uh, Schuller playing in the center. You are joking. I'm not joking. Because the point I was actually want to make, I'll, I'll get back to in this. I okay. honestly don't, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, Mr. Schuller. I'm not sure he's quite got the intelligence to play in the middle. <laughs> are you he's, saying like that, he's great? Are, are you saying are you suggesting that uh players that that play in the wings are not are, are not as intelligent as the ones who play in the middle. Well, I speak from first-hand experience. I speak from first-hand experience because here. it's very, very complicated to play in the wings. I don't even think that I don't think that Aubameyang will win a Nobel Prize anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> what I what, what I mean is that if I needed a man to run straight in a very straight line, Forrest Gump style, down the wing. I'd, I'd be I'd be on the I phone know, to Schuller. I, I, I honestly think that Schuller, uh, when when he plays in the middle. He doesn't complicate as much as he does when he play uh, as a winger. Okay. We'll find out. We'll, well find I out, guess yeah. we will find out. But yeah. I'm expecting to see Dortmund going um, uh, to, to sign someone until the, yeah. the end of the, uh, January. Maybe a new wanna, Frenchman? They, they definitely need a guy up you wanna front. Put a, you want to put a name out there to get the, the Dortmund fans weak at the knees? So I, I just read about a rumor um, that... 18-year-old kid, Kylian Mbappe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly from AS Monaco. Mm. Apparently, um, this guy is uh, 10 million euro worth. He scored six goals this season already for AS Monaco in Ligue 1. And he can play central, but on the wing. So basically, he would be a one-on-one -on -one, uh, replacement for Aubameyang in terms of pace and um, shooting skills, I guess. It was, he's still 18. I don't think yeah. he's going to... 
I wish Dortmund would fix Dortmund problem. I wish Dortmund would buy a bit of experience. They need that. Yeah. Gomez. I think it's something they're lacking. <laughs> Gomez. That's a good segue, actually, on hey, Wolfsburg. Yeah, yeah. yeah, hey, yeah. nice. I wanted to talk about Wolfsburg, and you've mentioned Mario, uh, Gomez Mario Gomez. Wolfsburg have been one of the busiest clubs over the, the last uh, the last few weeks. They've got Paul, George, and Tep from Stad Ren. They've got uh, Mali from Mainz, and they've got Bazor, if I'm, again, if I'm pronouncing that right, from, from Ajax. That's some pretty good business right there. Yeah, I cannot understand how Mainz would sell Yunus Mali during the winter. Uh, it is, it is, it's an odd one to do, isn't it's it? It's an odd one to do. Like, you cannot, like, Mainz is not capable of replacing him because even with the 10 million players who could replace him, they would not go to Mainz in the winter break. I don't know what they're going to do with the money. And definitely Wolfsburg has done, done some decent work there on signing Yunus uh, Mali. Okay. I, I find it incredible, the, the price. It is absolutely insane. If, yeah. if he was a an, an Englishman from the the championship, it, it would <laughs> oh. be thirty million. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I was really surprised with with a. He's with one the of price. the top scorers of the Bundesliga. Yeah. I think Wolfsburg. Um, just a quick one on them. Seem to have changed their transfer strategy a bit, which is positive because before they were just literally buying up anyone they could. But these players were arriving not motivated by football potentially, but by money. And they seem to now be getting um, guys who are coming for the football and to build something. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's positive for Wolfsburg, who need a bit of a pick-me-up after their you know, their mother company's problems off the pitch, which mm-hmm. affects the town. There's no yeah. doubt about that. And their struggles on the pitch. One, yeah. of, one of them needs to work. Okay. Is there any other business we want to mention in the Bundesliga or shall we, shall we move on? Um... No, that's that's it. I'm, that's I'm it. curious. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious um, how the North teams will start performing um, from now on. But I guess we'll speak about that next week or the week after. I think we will. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back to them. So elsewhere in Europe, uh, Spain to be exact. There's so so much to talk about. And Andre, this is going to be your time to to shine. Let's maybe start with Madrid and their 40 game, 284 day, 50 team, five competition, unbeaten run. First of all, I'm intrigued as to how they did it because. There's nothing very obvious when you watch Madrid to say that this is a team that could go on and you know break records. And Zidane gives nothing away into the press. Uh, there, I, I don't think there's a big secret behind it. Uh, oh. They're a very consistent team and uh, very, very practical. And I think that what Zidane brought to Real Madrid was uh, a bit of realism. And uh, if there's a secret for this amazing streak, I would say that that was that. I wonder, is it too, that he is the sort of player who has, or ex-player, who has that aura about him. He's obviously brilliant and he carries it very, carries it very well. Absolutely. And that sort of personality, whereas they didn't, they didn't warm to Benitez. There were a lot of matches when you can actually spot that uh, the talent was lacking at some point, but the mentality was amazing. And um, you can only... Uh, deliver like that if you have a great manager behind it mm-hmm. and uh, they I, th- I think that the whole squad is 100% behind uh, Zidane mm-hmm. they truly believe in, in him and that's uh, that what makes the, the trick on this one yeah. um, and to be fair uh, the Real Madrid were lucky many many times this oh, season yeah. we have to we have to be fair about that yeah. they score 8 goals after the minute 90 8 Eight goals. At least seven of them were scored by Sergio. Ramos. <laughs> yeah. Five of those goals uh, avoided defeats or gave them the three points. 
That's an astounding. That's an incredible statistic yeah. uh, and explains a bit of a... To have that mental trick. fortitude to keep going to the end as well as the fitness levels. That's brilliant. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can take all the luck you get, but I mean, that they're pretty... Not, I wouldn't say damning, but they're pretty strong um, statistics, those ones, aren't they? Mm -hmm. you, yeah. can, you can maybe put one or two up for luck, but uh -huh. the rest of them are definitely by design. Yeah. Um, Another yeah. merit there I have, we have to um, to say about, about uh, Zidane, he, he knows uh, the limitations of the team right. so well. Uh, he, he, he knows... In what way? What do you mean? He knows that there are some flaws mm -hmm. and he knows how to uh, hide those flaws in a very, very um, intelligent way. Right. And uh, you don't see that uh, very often in, in certain managers. They the have uh, Some managers, they have a philosophy and they go with the philosophy all the way. Uh, they are not flexible enough uh, to realize that sometimes the other team is way better than ours and we need to do this and that. So he's more practical. Way more practical, yeah. But he was a sort of like he was a sort of practical player too, though, wasn't he? he, was, he like very economic with the ball, but then just with a little splash of color along the way. Exactly, but uh, with a uh, it was a it was a genius, as we we all know, and you know it was very very elegant with the ball uh, yeah. on his feet. I don't know, I don't know if you remember, but he was very practical. The, You're right. The 2006 World Cup in France, there was a quarter final against Brazil. I go back and watch Zidane's performance. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's one of the most complete midfield performances I've ever seen. In one, my of, life. one of the m most complicated things to do in modern football is to play simple. Yeah. Um, and he really, he really knew how to, how to pull that off. Okay. Well, Sevilla were the team bringing an end to that, to that run. And that's one of the ones we want to talk about today. Uh, Jorge Sampaoli is doing a job, nothing short of miraculous, I think would be the, 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 the correct term. I wouldn't call it miraculous. Um, well, I wanted to put it in some context okay. here bef before we let you before we let you go. This is why I'm making the case for miraculous. <laughs> so, as a new coach in his first job in Europe, eleven new signings, fourteen departures, including that of Simpre Grande, Ever Benega, and uh, Kevin Gamero. At the same stage last season, that is after 18 games, Sevilla were in ninth with 26 points and a goal difference of plus three. This season, after 18 games, they are second, 39 points and a goal difference of plus 16. That's astounding. Uh, it is. And uh, What's the secret behind it all? Well, there's there's one big thing that if, if you compare the, the the stats from last season to this season, there's one thing that, that pops right away. Uh, Sevilla started to win matches away from home. They had like oh, a yeah. gigantic block away from home, and uh, they are still last season. You mean they had a gigantic last block. season? Yeah. yeah. Now on this on this season, they're way way better. Um, I, I remember that last season there were I think eighteen matches in, uh, in a row without winning away from home, and that's insane if you think that they finish in in uh, Europa League positions. Um, on Champions League positions, mm -hmm. um, and uh, they they remain. Sanchez Pijuan is like a fortress to them. They they are the best team in the league at home. What a cracking have, stadium that is, by the way. It's an amazing stadium. Incredible atmosphere. Yeah. And they they have eight wins and uh, they lost just once at home. That explains a lot. But uh, there are a lot of other factors. Um, uh, two things that I really like about Sevilla. They they play a, a game of possession, a possession, short um, pace, short and fast paced, which is something that I really appreciate. And they're very very flexible when it comes to um, uh, tactics. They used so far five different formations, and all of them work 
which is amazing. That's astounding. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and uh, playing take that Pep Guardiola. Exactly. Yeah. And the dynamic of uh, of their uh, wingers, it's incredible, uh, particularly the left side. Uh, it doesn't matter if you play uh, Sarabia or Escudero. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, it's it's a beauty to, to to watch. One of the ascending things, of course, is Stephen Enzonzi. Do you do you remember him, Paddy? Yeah, yeah. Yep. he wasn't up to much, was he in in England? Bounded around Blackburn's midfield for a little while, didn't bit he? Of, bit of time at Stoke as well. Yeah, yeah. Didn't pull up any trees though. No. Well, no. he's turned into the best midfielder in the world at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a is a dynamo on that midfield. Yeah, and uh, I got I got a, an amazing stat about Nzonzi. Oh yeah, that explains uh, how important he is. He's the only midfielder that tries as many long passes as short passes <laughs> in the in in Sevilla. That's great. The only one. Yeah, and uh, is the best one when it comes to aerial duels in the whole team. Better than all centre backs put together. Stephen Nzonzi. Exactly. He is huge though. He's oh, really, is he? Yeah, really yeah, okay. big. It looks like a looks like a spider, or a, no, like that's the, <laughs> and sometimes uh, this Sevilla team em- emulates um, San Paolo's Chile yeah. when he, uh, when he plays with uh, three centre backs and one of the centre backs is uh, is more of a sweeper. Yeah, and both centre backs are usually not that tall, so you us- they usually play uh, with one very tall guy and two more, I would say, mobile or mobile. Um, and um, Nzonzi helps a lot when it comes to uh, set pieces. And the, they are the team uh, that conceded less goals from set pieces. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's amazing considering so plenty of hard they're, they're not a tall team in, in, in general. Yep. Now, I've got two more questions for you about this. Is Samir Nasri still collaborating with the Drip Doctors? <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> Honestly. You, you really wanted to bring uh, Nasri to that. To oh, oh, to, to I was be so honest. annoyed. I was so annoyed you <laughs> were recording the podcast when all of this was happening. Oh, that would have been, that would have been comedy gold. To, to be honest, um, um, I was saying that uh, in the newsroom the other day when we were watching uh, Sevilla and I, mm-hmm. I still think that Nasri is a bit overweight. He still needs to. He's always. I think he's always had a bit of a, a pudgy look. He has to a, a, a bit of a belly and also yeah. some booty on that. That's another one on my. <laughs> booty. Yeah. That's, that's another one on the insulted list. Andre Sherla and Samir Nasri. Yeah. Okay. Um, are they are they realistic title contenders? It's going to be really complicated to to keep keep up with. Because uh, Madrid have a game in hand against Valencia, right? True, and um, they don't have the same weapons than uh, Barca and Madrid have at the moment um, I can see them um, fighting for the title in a very utopic way if they uh, buy a couple of players in January they won't but they, they're not going to do that that's a problem they, they need someone else to the, the to add some power in, into the midfield because they cannot rely only on Zanzi for the whole season yeah. they have Kranivita uh, um, is doing a poor season and uh, uh, Carrizo has been injured for I would say three, four months, which is a lot. Um, they need a number six, someone who can uh, play next to Nzonzi. Okay. Um, and maybe uh, another centre-back. But I'm saying just this because I, I think that uh, Rami doesn't fit quite well the style of play that Sampoli wants to 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 uh, use at, at Sevilla. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Barcelona. They, of course, won 5-0 last week against Las Palmas, which would suggest a return to form. One of the most interesting aspects of this game was that Luis Enrique dropped Neymar for the first time in over a year. In fact, Neymar didn't even make it onto the pinch uh, for the entire 90 minutes. Got a couple of questions about this. Given he's not scored in the league since October, what has happened to Neymar? And how good do you think he's going to be in Triple X return of Xander Cage? 
<laughs> has anybody seen the has anybody seen the, uh, no, the trailer the for Triple X? No. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think no, I've skipped no. over it about 30 times on right. Instagram. It's one of those things that come Twitter, up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had the greatest idea about that. Why, why, why uh, we, uh, we can do that. We can do that. Think about this. Um, all the <laughs> all the triple X's put yeah. together uh, yeah. with the Fast and the Furious. Just I can't a, a one, one big thing. It might I can't pile into one actual decent movie mm. as well. It, yeah. Right? <laughs> I don't know if I could tell the difference between a triple X movie <laughs> and a Fast and Furious movie. The fa Fast and Furious is just cars and triple right. X is everything. Well, so. he, was, he, was skiing, he was skiing out of an airplane and down a mountain in the trailer that I saw. Bond did yeah. that years well, ago. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah take that. Um, I, but there, I think there is a serious aspect to that. Has Neymar been distracted is I, I was by trying his to, film schedule <laughs> by, by his film schedule but has he has he kind of kept lost his, like kept his eye off the ball a little bit uh there's there's a, a big problem with uh with barcelona uh, with with the, the big three up front um yeah. they are playing very very often they don't they don't have enough time to to uh to get some rest and that's a big problem and uh, neymar in the last month um it was clearly suffered some physical problems last while i think yeah um they need a fourth option to play as a winger i don't think that out is the, the best one and uh, he was so good at madrid or and paco <laughs> yeah they bought him for a fair bit of money <laughs> paco alcacer was was supposed to be the the, the fourth guy okay and um, it, it's been terrible. How so much far. did he cost? Thirty million, I think. Thirty million. And yeah. I think in his game, when he actually got a, a good chance and a good start, he touched the ball six times in seventy minutes or oh, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, in, in, okay. a, in a Barcelona team, that's, that's bizarre. That's I would have touched it more than six. The keeper. <laughs> I wouldn't have done anything with it, but I would have touched yeah, it. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure Ter Stegen probably touched it. A bit yeah, more. Exactly. He, he only he only scored once uh, so far. Anyway, oh, I think he was in a, it, in a cup. Yeah. Okay. So you reckon? Do you reckon the Barcelona? PC are worried about um, about Neymar. Uh, I think I think they are, I th but I really don't don't get the the the, the idea behind the, the, the what is the massive plan behind Barcelona when it comes to uh, transfers in the last two three years. Um, it's been a terrible policy. Exactly, mm. but it, 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 for years and years, it, it was all about La Masia and mm. uh, uh, bringing kids yeah. to the to first team and uh, winning titles with yeah. uh, 50 60 percent of uh, made in Catalonia. Mm -hmm. um, and they completely dropped the plan. If you think about it, now you have like two. Uh, in the last three uh, years, I would say they had two. Kids coming from the, the the B team. Yeah, and I'm talking about uh, Sergi Sergi Roberto, and uh, the other one would be uh, Bartra. Not not even Bartra because Sergi it was Santos gone. Sempo, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was gone, and um, Bartra. It, it was a stupid mistake, I, I think. But he was there and he was not playing. It was yeah. Luis Enrique didn't like him, but it's really weird to see how things change. So drastically in just a couple of years when it comes to with Barca. Talk to us about um, Perry Gratikos. <laughs> Gratikos. What a story this is. Did you all? Bizarre, uh, that's really yeah. bizarre. A quick recap before uh, before you go on there, Dre. What happened? Um, so Perry Gratikos, he was the responsible the, for the relations between Barca and the the, 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 the federation. Mm. Uh, of Spain, a boring job that is of no interest to anybody. Yeah, true. Plays better than ours. 
<laughs> but the, the thing is, uh, he, he, he mentioned that uh, Messi wouldn't be as good as he is if he wasn't for uh, some other guys like Iniesta yeah, and, and, uh, and some other products from La Masia. Yeah. And to be honest, I agree with, I agree with him. Messi agrees with them. Yeah, Every- it makes sense. It, it was just defending um, his, uh, his jewels because he's a man, Gratacosi is a man f- from uh, La Masia. He was uh, coaching the B team for a while. He was for a while responsible for the scouting system of kids. He knows Messi really well. He well. knows Messi really well. Yep. So he, he, he knows what he was saying and we can we can all agree that he was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Messi's brilliant, but it wouldn't be as good as he is if it wasn't for all the guys yeah. that work with them. I wonder if the way the media um, actually reported this in, influenced Barcelona's decision. In a lot of the articles you read, there was only parts of that quote, mm. and it was the, you know, yeah. the, the more damning part if it's by itself. But the full quote itself... I, I couldn't even figure out where the problem was until no. I saw it isolated as a lot yeah. of outlets did. Mm-hmm. And I think potentially that's what Barcelona reacted to. Well, the last line is, he would not be as good without Andres Iniesta, Neymar and company, but Messi is the best. And if you put the rest of the quote in front of that too, yeah. it makes even more sense. I, I mean, that's not even I debatable have, anyway. I have a theory behind all this. And oh, yeah. uh, uh, I think... The, You've got about 20 seconds to explain. Okay, Barca wanted yeah. to, to get rid of uh, Gratacos. Uh, yeah. He was a favorite of Juan Laporta, uh, ah. the previous president. Um, then uh, Sandro Russell uh, kind of demoted him for a while, and now he was doing this boring job, mm. as, as, as you, you said. And uh, I think that Bartomeu was looking. Bartomeu and the, the rest of, uh, of the board was looking for uh, some excuse to to kick it to kick him out. Okay. Um, but I'm just just to finish. I, I think it's really really um, weird. To put it in a very gentle way, that uh, Barca always they are they are always talking about freedom of expression when it comes to mm. uh, their freedom to uh, whistle the Spanish anthem or uh, use the Catalan flag as an independent independence uh, weapon. I will call it. And well, let's say sign symbol, symbol, yeah. 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 And they they really want to have their freedom of expression, but they cannot deal with freedom of expression inside their their club okay so they, they they should they should think twice about this okay uh really really quick one before we wrap up this section is Lionel messi going to sign a new deal i think so you know it, it's probably gonna it's gonna crack a new deal in the upcoming month okay. i would say uh, at least i'm expecting that no need to worry barca fans he's staying Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. Now, for this part of the podcast, there is some good news and there is some bad news. The bad news is that Paddy Higgs has had to leave us. He's a very, very busy, busy man. Poor Paddy. The good news is that we're joined by Rorgan Morgan Rasmussen. Did, hey I get, did I get the surname right? Oh, absolutely. I did. Okay. Absolutely. Morgan is one of the uh, fork and spoon operators in the sector 7G of One Football. Now, I need to explain something about Morgan's presence to our, to our listeners. For a while now, he has been complaining, literally complaining that the podcast is anti-Chelsea, <laughs> that we've not talked enough about them. And he even took time out at the One Football Christmas party to complain to the newsroom about this issue. So we thought, what better way than to address the imbalance than to bring Morgan on board? 
I agree. And I think I've seen a lot of comments on the iTunes store and stuff about people complaining that there was not enough Chelsea on podcast. <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to voice this opinion and I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So we're going to talk him down now? No, we'll, we'll be nice to him for a little oh, bit, uh -huh. I think. Yeah. You're happy enough to be amongst your podcast heroes anyway. Definitely. Definitely. Divine authorities of football. <laughs> so last weekend, Chelsea took on reigning Premier League champions Leicester City without their star striker, but still managed to walk away unscathed. Now, that's the match is not what we really want to talk about. We want to talk about that star striker and what's been going on with him because it sort of crept out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, for example, I didn't hear about it until uh, Friday, so the day before the game, mm -hmm. when uh, reports said that Diego Costa was not joining the team uh, on the bus on the mm -hmm. road to Leicester for, yeah. to, 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 to play the game. And apparently, so to give some context about the whole story, apparently there was uh, a, a bit of a disagreement between Costa and the medical staff of Chelsea earlier that week, I think it was on Tuesday, uh, where the me medical staff said he was carrying a minor back injury and hence was not fit to play. And Costa, of course, the warrior that he is, he mm -hmm. begged to differ and wanted to play the game. And then apparently the disagreement escalated until Costa came and uh, Conte, sorry, came and basically took the side of his medical staff saying, no, dude, you will not play. Uh, and basically there was another context to that whole story being that uh, appar apparently Costa is being courted by a uh, big Chinese side for a lot of money. And so apparently the discussion escalated until the point where uh, Antonio Costa, uh, Conte told Costa to go to China. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of the backstory of the whole... Uh, they have good back doctors in China? <sighs> I don't know. They, they might Possibly. too. They certainly I, have I, got I good... Red. They certainly got good uh, bank accounts in China. <laughs> 570,000 a week. Yeah. Apparently he was offered. Now that, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea are only offering him 200,000 a week. Jesus. Only 200,000 a week. Miserable. So that, that would be apparently just uh, below what Tevez is earning. So he would be the second best football uh, paid football player. In the world. Possibly. Huh. And the figure being talked about was a transfer figure of 80 million. Yeah. That's incredible. So, do you, I mean, he, there was sort of a bit of talk today and a bit of talk over the last few days that he'll, it looks like he's going to stay for now mm -hmm. for, the, for the rest of this season. Um, but for the summer, it's not looking great. No, so basically, apparently, reports uh, as of this morning are saying that uh, everybody came to a common agreement. They shook hands, which is kind of refreshing for football. People acting like adults. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so apparently, there has been a, a spoken agreement that he will stay at Chelsea until the summer, at least. So he's definitely going to be here until at least May, let's hope. Um, yeah, so then after what happens to him in the summer is kind of up to debate. I don't think that his character fits a move to China. I think he's this, like guy who needs a challenge, needs to be uh, loved by all the fans. Uh, so I think it's more likely that he'll go back to his uh, beloved club and manager, uh, Diego Simeone. Nico, you're throwing up your hands in frustration here. Yeah, I was just saying, is this the point where we um, discuss the sportsmanship of this player? Like, who, uh, owning whatever, 200,000 uh, euros, whatever pound uh, a week, um, on his way to win the Premier League title, probably this season, who would leave this to go to China mid-season? Like, what's going on? Like, where's like? Is he still making his own decisions, or is he just uh, basically ruled by some agent in the background? Like, what's going on here? Well, the interesting thing for me was <laughs> no, uh, continue. Yeah, okay, the interesting. I, I just the, the, the interesting thing for me was that the Chelsea fans complaining that he wasn't being loyal. I mean, this is a guy who was born in Brazil, plays for Spain. 
moved from Atletico Madrid to Chelsea. He didn't move to Chelsea for because he wanted a nice view of, of London. He went because they were offering him more money. Of course. And now another place comes up, you know, offering more. His head is turned. I'm not surprised by any of it. What's the what's the club um, in interest from China? It is... Tianjin Kuanjin. Same club who acquired Axel Witzel recently. Okay. They still mm. have the code of international player that can... E in, either way, I mean, yes, I, I I understand those players following the money, mm -hmm. but isn't it like if you if you want to weigh them against each other, you have to look a little bit at the life value, you know? Mm -hmm. Of course, they can probably afford a private jet and go back to London whenever they want, but I don't know if he has kids personally and so on. I mean, it's a long story, but wouldn't you rather live in London with two hundred thousand euros a week than in China? No offense. Um, for 500,000 a week? Well, I tell you what, how about if a Chinese Chinese English podcast came in and said to you, Nico, we'll triple your weekly wage if you come over and talk to us for a couple of years. How would you feel about it? Uh, I'm, I'm not talking in that in public without my agent. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say, I... Always wanted to go to China. <laughs> so that's that's a difference. I always wanted to go to China. Exactly. It's a you know? personal thing. Yeah. No, I mean, you cannot judge upon it until you are in the situation. I guess um, he plays one year in China and makes the money that he would do in three years in the Premier League, which also means with the same money made, he can retire two or three years earlier, probably. Mm -hmm. But it also means I'm not. I'm not looking forward to win titles anymore. If okay. you do that stuff. No, yeah. I know. I know what you're meaning. Um, It, it, but first is a lot of money. Uh, second, uh, it's a big commission to the agent, and uh, his agent is Georges Mendes. And you, you surprised me by telling me that he's looking to make some extra bucks in January. Uh, so far, nothing happened, which is weird. So uh, we can expect something to happen until the end of January. And uh, the the thing is 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 about imagine that you're Diego Costa and you're playing in the in the Premier League. Okay, it's it's you're having a great season. You're probably going to win the Premier League, but still, people hate you. <laughs> Every, everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody hates everybody hates Diego Costa except uh, Chelsea fans. Do you uh, like him, Morgan? Do you like him? Yeah, I think that's the most important. The thing is, that he's actually a beloved figure, I think, amongst fans because he's like this hardworking team player. And I mean, except for other people in the Premier League. Exactly. But I can, yeah, I can see that. But I, I think that, that the guy is not fueled by like hatred. He's just happy he's in a healthy group and he has a healthy relationship. I with like him. Yeah. I, I like how he's niggly, how he annoys defenders, how he's he's got that aggressive I, I look totally to him. agree. But the, the attitude of the, the English media towards him is very similar to the one that Luis Suarez had. And uh, you know that... I would say that 50% of Luis Suarez moving away from England was because the English media was terrible. Well, also, to him. Barcelona is a much better prospect than Liverpool. Of course, it is. It's not even a question, but yeah. I have kind of uh, a theory, because I know you like theories, I behind love theories. Uh, why Diego Costa is so hated in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. And I think that most of it comes from the role that he had under Mourinho in the last two seasons, where I think Mourinho really kind of put him in this position of being the annoying striker. Mm. And I don't know how many red cards he produced for us. I mean, it must have been like five or six over the course of it is a year true. and a half, you know? Yeah. And I think that this etiquette is still really much hanging on to him. But if you look at this season, his game is very clean. Uh, and I don't think there's a lot of disagreement as to he is the best striker in the Premier League and he's actually a pretty clean play player this year. What I want to know is how is this going to affect Chelsea's title bid? Or is it going to affect Chelsea's title bid? 
um, whether or not he leaves. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, even if he, it looks like he'll stay, do you think that's going to have an effect on the dressing room? Do you think they'll just re-embrace him and it'll be smoothed over? It looks like the disagreement has been like settled now, so mm -hmm. I think everybody's going to be happy moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think that this Diego Costa is this like uh, short-tempered and maybe like short IQ'd kind of player, mm -hmm. and I think he just sees <laughs> things on the to our, the our list. Yeah. yeah, and I think everybody, everything will come back into in, in, into place pretty fast. I mean, maybe this will stay in the back of the heads of some players, like, hey, this guy is playing with us, but he doesn't want to be here. Uh, I still believe that this guy is a competitor and will be willing to uh, aim for the Premier League. Player of the year and best uh, score of the league. Okay, I, w I want to move on a quick bit. I just want to say that um, everyone that played with uh, Diego Costa, yeah, uh, former uh, colleagues, they love the guy. Is so that because of his prankster ways? Is if he's a funny guy, is yeah. uh, a 100% percent um, friend. They they all all say that. So uh, if he's staying at Chelsea, I think that that it won't be any problems regarding the the. the um, environment of the of, of the locker room okay i know uh john terry and seth fabregas have been liking his pictures on instagram so that's a <laughs> key thing there right there speaking of chelsea chelsea strikers one i want to chat about is uh michi bashwaye that was good wasn't it you like, you like how i did that <laughs> now morgan say the, the right way uh, michi bashwaye i can't even Bechway? say yeah okay <laughs> it's pretty similar what i'm what i'm interested in is why doesn't conte trust him because every time i see him play he looks sharp he looks dangerous he looks purpose-built for the premier league Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's super physical, he's fast, he has good positioning, he's still super young. Uh, he comes from a league, a Ligue 1, where he played two seasons with Marseille, scoring like, I think, 26 goals over the, I mean, which is really good for his age. Uh, as you said, for me, he looks sharp every time he played. He mm -hmm. started in the Cup and in the League Cup. Mm -hmm. He scored uh, three goals in like four appearances. So, I mean, all in all, those should be the convincing arguments to start in the Premier League. Yeah. The two times where Co uh, Costa was not uh, fit to play or um, uh, suspended, Uh, Conte decided to line up Eden Hazard in his position. So it's kind of weird. Uh, Conte keeps saying that he trusts the guy. He thinks that he's learning a lot from Costa and that he will eventually play. But I don't know what has been keeping uh, Conte from lining him up uh, for a league uh, start. Hazard is not a bad replacement as your, no. your sort of false nine. But he? I think he's way more impactful on the, on the wing. Uh, one of the other players to come in this season was, of course, uh, N'Golo Kante. Uh, he seems to just really transform that midfield. Like you, you look at them last season, they looked dour, they looked slow, they, they looked devoid of purpose almost. All of a sudden, they're, they're, they're back to their best. It's, it's, and I think, from what I can see, that it, Kante is the driving force behind that. I think since, since we've seen him play for the first game of the season, you can see the difference that Jesse brings in the midfield. The guy has incredible... He's, he's fast, he knows how to dribble, he knows how to pass. And, and uh, best of all, he has like incredible stamina. I don't think I've ever seen this. Sometimes it looks like there's two of him on the pitch. Yeah, it's amazing. And I just think he frees so much of the uh, defensive duty from the top, uh, the trident, basically. Yeah. Who can just basically roam and be uh, whatever they do, whatever they want to do forward. Mm -hmm. And he's just like freeing up so, so much space in the midfield. When it comes to stamina, is um a uh, Makelele lookalike yeah is everywhere and he reads the game like Makelele too exactly. like the the ability to make interceptions and see where you know where passes are going to be is one of his chief characteristics it really is astounding and another one Arturo Vidal yeah same kind of player maybe yeah. exactly yeah. I agree but uh, Vidal with uh, some concerns when it comes to aggression just a few just a few and uh, so a few things I think that also Antonio Conte loves this kind of players you know he's very versatile He knows that he can play in the two preferred system, 4-1-4-1 and the 3-4-3. Uh, so I think that's what really Antonio Conte is looking like, a humble guy, 
uh, and very good on the ball defensively, etc. Like an all-round yeah. powerhouse in midfield, basically. And I have an actually a pretty interesting stat showing you how and uh, how um, N'Golo Kante makes the whole team around him better. Oh yeah. Basically, since he joined the Premier League uh, uh, from Caen two uh, two years ago, two seasons ago, he has the best winning ratio of any uh, Premier League player. So basically, whenever wow. he played, 70% of the games were won. That's, that's astounding. Yeah. yeah. So basically showing you Bad. how much he contributes to a, a collective, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That is lovely. He is a team player. Yeah. And for all the Chelsea fans, I also think uh, we should praise Antonio Conte a little bit more here. Oh, while yeah. we're talking about Chelsea. Go on. You know, there's Mourinho coming, there's Pep coming, mm -hmm. and um, I think Klopp. no doubt Klopp coming, um, mm -hmm. but no doubt um, manager of the season so far, Antonio Conte. Not Sean Dyke at Burnley now. No. Okay. <laughs> Did you want to praise Conte now? That you, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the mic now, Morgan. I Come actually on. wanted to praise N'Golo again because I think he's the... <laughs> it's an N'Golo loving. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm very much in love with the guy. Okay. Uh, he's amazing. And just one super fun he's fact amazing. about this guy. It's like a teenager talking about the movie star. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, so just to show how humble the guy is. Yeah. when he uh, So this was reported in the Jamie Vardy bi biography. Oh, yeah. He mentioned that... <laughs> you read <laughs> the, the Jamie seller, Vardy the biography? No, no, no. Okay. Thankfully not. So basically, <laughs> apparently when he joined Leicester, uh, the club uh, proposed to uh, buy him a car so he could show up to training and to the games. Uh -huh. And then Golokante said, no, 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 I'll walk. Oh, don't worry, I'll just walk to the stadium. You are joking. And everybody was like, dude, it, it's, it's a pretty long distance, you know? So he tried it for like a week or two. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I cannot do this, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to buy a car. And he bought himself a tiny white Mini, a Mini Cooper. Really? And basically, and so he drives this around to the stadium and everybody's showing up with like Lamborghinis and Maseratis and he just has this tiny Mini. Oh, that's amazing. And when they won the Premier League, the, the owner offered a new car to the whole team, right? Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you remember. Yeah. And he said, no, I'm fine. I'll keep my Mini. Just give you money to somebody else. What maybe an absolute He's not good in parking. <laughs> <laughs> and he just needs a smaller car. What an absolute legend. Uh, about, yeah, that's uh, a good story. Yeah, it is. About James Vardy uh, bio. Yeah. I heard it goes pretty well with vodka and Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, um, hold this weekend, I believe. Mm -hmm. You're not worried about that, are you? Not too much, to be honest. Uh, I think I would be more worried about the Liverpool away. Yeah, Liverpool and Arsenal Yeah, exactly. on the horizon. I don't think Hull will be too much of a threat. I mean, there's still a seven-point cushion uh, at the top of the league. Yeah, uh, Liverpool are playing Hull as well when we play Arsenal. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of facing the same difficulties. Yeah, And I think it's anyways better to face those tougher positions while the momentum is here and that we're kind of hitting the ground running than in two or three months when people get uh, a little more exhausted, you know? So I'm not too worried. Okay. Uh, I think that... You should, you should be cautious about Hull. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But he's not... He's it's okay. No, he's, he believes yeah. in his team. Well, it's been lovely having you on, Morgan. Thank you. And when Tottenham come top of the league and Chelsea have thrown it all away we'll be sure okay. to we'll be sure <laughs> to, we'll be sure to have you to back Please on remind me yeah. and we'll be sure to have you back on okay that's all from us today my thanks to Paddy, Nico, Andre Morgan and our producer Damien wherever you are in the world please go to your local iTunes store give us a rating leave a comment to let us know what you think of the pod thanks for listening Thank you.